the other passages he had expounded on. But when he got to Isaiah 61, he just happened to be in his hometown. It happened to be this passage, and he said, I am the Messiah. going to begin a new series called The Ministries of Jesus. And there are five as well. And so it'll be a five-week series. I'll preach all of them. And uh, the first one is salvation, which fits perfectly for Easter. This is in uh, Luke 4, and it's when Jesus goes to his home church where he was brought up and preaches his first sermon in his home church. Let me just remind you a little bit. In Luke 3, he got baptized, uh, water baptized by John the Baptist, and the Holy Spirit came on him. And then he went into the wilderness, and he was tempted for 40 days. Um, And then it says that the devil um, retreated after the third public temptation. There were many temptations, but the third one we know about. But the devil retreated for a more opportune time. I just want you to know that Satan attacks during opportune times. You need to know that, especially when you're tired physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. And so think about even though Jesus had fasted for 40 days, he was hungry, and what was Satan's first temptation? Turn these stones into hot bread. He didn't, now hot is not in the Greek, but You can imagine if Jesus baked it, it would have been hot and fresh and had honey butter on the top of it. (laughs) And that was the temptation after 40 days. And that's the way Satan is. Just just to let you know also, every time I fast sugar, they put Bluebell on sale. (laughs) So I've decided if you want, I'll start posting it when I'm fasting sugar and you go to a store, no matter what store it is, Bluebell will be uh, on sale. All right, so um, we're gonna talk about his first sermon in his hometown, and he lists the five, what I call, foundational ministries of Jesus. These are not the only ministries of Jesus, they're the five foundational ministries of Jesus, all right? And we'll, again, we'll cover the first one this week, um, and that's salvation. So here's my first point his first sermon. Now, I need to let you know this is not his first sermon. It's his first sermon in his hometown. But I I left it his first sermon because all of my points have uh, three words. And so for some of you, it wouldn't matter. But for me, it matters that there's a balance to to the message, all right? So it's his first sermon. Here's the reason. I've heard many young preachers say this was his first sermon but if they would have just backed up one verse, they would have found out it wasn't his first sermon. Uh, And let me just back up to Luke 4, verse 14. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit, that's from the wilderness, to Galilee, and news of him went out throughout the surrounding regions, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he had already taught in other synagogues, but this was his first one in Nazareth, his hometown, all right? So verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, 
he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So he had done this before, okay? But notice he stood up. I'll explain to you in a moment why they stood when they read the Torah. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. So he was handed that book. It's because it was their, their, their um, uh, chronological reading for that week. And he found the place, he opened the book and found the place where it was written. Most again believe he didn't just go to chapter 61. He, it was, that was the reading for that week. And uh, in a moment, we'll talk about just thinking about the mathematical odds of that. And when he had uh, opened the book, uh, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed or bruised is a, a better translation from the Greek, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it to the attendant or the ruler of the synagogue and sat down. I'll explain again why he sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Okay. This was the text of the day. They would stand to read the Torah. The Torah was in a box. They, the ruler of the synagogue would take it out, hand it to the person who was going to read the text and then expound on it. They would always stand when they read it. So he stood up. They would hand it back to the attendant or the ruler of the synagogue and they would put it back in the box and then he would sit down and then have the lesson and he would explain it. Now, you need to understand that this is not the sermon, this is the reading of the day. So he stands up to read, and then he sits down to expound the scriptures, and all eyes were fixed on him. What's he going to say about this, this subject? He, he, they, they knew he was a carpenter, they knew he was the son of a carpenter, Joseph, and they knew he had left his carpentry business and gone into the ministry. And he had been in Galilee, especially Capernaum, and he'd been preaching in synagogues and they were hearing back that it was amazing to hear him teach and expound the scriptures. So they were all excited to hear his first scripture and it gets to probably one of the most difficult passages, a messianic scripture, a scripture about the Messiah What's he going to say? The eyes of all were fixed on him. And then he preaches the shortest sermon probably in history. Eight words. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture, in other words, he was telling them, I'm the Messiah. This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So this, Jesus' first sermon is eight words. Not the reading, that's just the reading of the day. Eight words. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 
So now, here's point number two, his first response. Point one was his first sermon in his hometown. Point two, his first response. Let's see how they responded. Verse 22, so all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth, and they said, is this not Joseph's son? Okay, that all sounds great to us, but it was not great. I need to explain it to you, all right? First, I wanna talk about they marveled at the gracious words that came out of his mouth. Okay, this marveled means they were shocked. He took a messianic scripture and he said, basically, this is, this is me. I, I am the Messiah. And this marveled means they were shocked at the gracious words he said about himself. Okay, think just for a moment about that. If I say gracious words about Debbie in my message, if I say, Debbie is so kind and so wonderful and so beautiful, you wouldn't think anything about it. But if I said, I am so kind, so wonderful, and so handsome, you might marvel at the gracious words that I spoke about myself. Are you following me? That's what this means. They were shocked at how gracious he spoke about himself. And it says they all bore witness to what he said. Now, again, we, we take that differently because it means something in our culture different. Um, I bear witness to what you're saying. That's not what it means. Bore witness means that they spoke or said something, they gave a testimony. But here's what they said. Uh, isn't this the carpenter? That's what their testimony was. Um, th this guy built my back deck. <laughs> this guy added a room on our house. And he's been going around preaching and apparently he's had a little bit of success and he's getting the big ad because he comes in and reads the scripture we all know about the Messiah and then says, today, this scripture is fulfilled. I mean, I've been having such good success, once you know, I think I'm the Messiah. That, that's the way they felt. Uh, it was just amazing. Um, then, he says this. Uh, well, let me say, let me read it in another place first. So there's a parallel passage, two parallel passages, Matthew 13 and Mark 6. All right, uh, and they don't use the, the Luke passage, but we know that the parallel passage, it says he came to his hometown where he'd been brought up. And this is what it says in Matthew 13, 55. Is this not the carpenter's son? Mark 6 says, is this not the carpenter? The son of Mary, brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon are not his sisters here with us. So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to him, you've probably heard this before, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, his own hometown, among his own relatives and to his own house. So they were offended at him. All right, now let me go back to Luke and watch out what he says to them. He said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me, 
physician, heal yourself. In other words, you're crazy. You, you need to heal yourself. You've been healing others. You need to get healed. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. See, they're parallel passages. That's where he said it. No prophet is accepted in his own country. Now, and if you think that offended him, he then says the greatest offense he could possibly say. There was no greater offense that he could have said to these Jewish people than what he's about to say. Verse 25, next verse. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a great famine throughout the land. Now watch this. But no, but to none of them was Elijah sent to no widow in Israel except to Zarephath, to the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow, a Gentile, by the way. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian. Naaman was not a Jew. He was a Gentile, and he was also a Syrian. He was actually the commander of the army that was invading Israel. Here's why this is so bad. There was a huge rift among Jewish people because the Old Testament prophesied that not only would the Jewish, the Messiah, come from the Jewish people and save the Jewish people, but that the Gentiles would seek him also. And they didn't want that. They didn't want the Gentiles saved. The Gentiles had enslaved them for years. It'd be like saying, um, some, a Messiah is gonna come and rescue you from these people who have abused you, and he's gonna rescue your abusers too. You might think, you don't need to rescue them, Lord. Just rescue me. That's the way they felt. So for him to bring this up was a huge, huge offense. And then he says, I, I know a prophet's not accepted his own country, but let me just say something else about me. <laughs> there were many widows in Israel and Elijah didn't go to any of them. He went to a Gentile. And there were many lepers in Israel and Elisha didn't go to any of them. He went to a Gentile. Here's what he was saying. I'm not just the Jewish Messiah. I'm the savior of the world. I'm the savior of the whole world. And by the way, that's good news for most of us. <laughs> and that made them very upset. And by the way, please hear me. I'm not saying anything against the Jewish people. You know that. We, we love Jewish people. We pray for Jewish people. We, we uh, stand with Israel. So you know Gateway Church loves Israel and stands with Jewish people. I'm not saying anything. What I am trying to say is that it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are, Jesus died for you too. He is your savior as well. And that's the announcement that he's making. He's making the announcement that I came for everyone. Now, I told you the name of this point was his first response. I could have said his first altar call because I just wanna show you his altar call. 
how it went, and how many people responded to his altar call. Luke 4, verse 28, so all those of the synagogue, wow, isn't that good? All of them responded. When they heard these things were filled with wrath, uh uh-oh, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, uh uh-oh, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built that they might throw him down over the cliff, Uh uh-oh. This is his first sermon in his hometown went over great, as you can see. He's announcing something. He is announcing. This is why this sermon is so important. The other passages he had expounded on, but when he got to Isaiah 61, he just happened to be in his hometown. It happened to be this passage, and he said, I am the Messiah. And I'm not just the Jewish Messiah. I'm the Savior of the whole world. I want you to know that. So we're going to go through the five foundational ministries of Jesus. And so point number three is his first ministry. His first ministry is salvation. Uh, before I go back to Luke 4, let me read you Matthew 121. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for, because he will save his people from their sins. So he makes two statements in Luke 4 that tell us that his first and primary ministry is salvation. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Remember, I want to remind you the word gospel means good news. It doesn't mean good advice. It means good news. See, good advice is you need to try to do better good news is Jesus has already done it all for you, and you just have to believe. And it says again, you preach the gospel to the poor. I've told you this before, but I just have to remind you, that's you. I know you might think, no, I have a good job. I'm doing real well. Nope. It's not talking about poor financially. It's talking about poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We are all bankrupt before God. Two primary Greek words for poor, uh, panes, and two costs. Panace means the working poor. Some of you might say, that's me. Work, I'm the working poor. Two costs means the begging poor. Means the poor that cannot work. It means that if someone doesn't have mercy on them, they will die. That's the word Jesus uses. Every time he uses this, he says, you are the people that cannot earn your salvation. The only way you'll ever get to heaven is if I have mercy on you, and I've come to have mercy on you. So that's the first thing. Then he announces in verse 19, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, this is huge in Scripture, and I don't have time to share it with everywhere it is, but the acceptable year of the Lord. First of all, um, what, what year is it right now? It's not a trick. <laughs> Y'all are like, yeah, you've done this before to us. So 2022, but let me give you the full explanation, AD, which means the year of our Lord. It is not 2022 CE, common era. It's not BCE, before common era and common era. It is before Christ, 
and the year of our Lord. It's very important to understand it is the year of our Lord. Let me tell you why. Because it is the acceptable year of our Lord. <laughs> Look at this scripture, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For he says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. By the way, this is a messianic quote from Isaiah 49, and it actually says to restore Israel, just a few verses for this, and not only to restore Israel, but to bring sight to the Gentiles. So again, he's the savior of the world. It includes everyone. It includes everyone, Jews, Gentiles, rich, poor, old, young, every ethnicity. It's the most inclusive doctrine ever written or document ever written in the world. Keying in on one other word, Hebrews 3, 7, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, Hebrews 3, 15, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Remember, let's go back to Luke 4, 21, to his eight-word sermon. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today. Today is the day of salvation. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today. Um, four years ago, you know, I had the health crisis where I almost died. Um, some of you might think when I bring this up, you know, Pastor Robert, we've heard this. How, many, how long are you going to talk about it for the rest of my life? Some of you relate because when you've been that close, it's something you never get over. Um, and lost 50% of my blood, all of you know, flown to the hospital, um, you know, um, got so much blood, so many transfusions and all this stuff to keep me alive. Uh, two seven-hour surgeries, five to seven-hour surgeries each. All this, you know, just crazy stuff. Even when I left the hospital, I only had like 60% of my blood after all these transfusions and all. Uh, and the reason was, though, that they told me, I was kind of like, why don't you, I mean, you know, like, fill me up, you know, before I go, you know. Uh, and they said, because we, you're, you're, you'll be healthier if your blood rebuilds itself. It's better. And you can have more problems even with transfusions. And I, I have had difficulties, you know. I, 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 I have, um, still to this day, I have night sweats sometimes and, and hot flashes. I, I, I really believe they gave me blood from a menopausal woman. I really believe that. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I, I cry at Hallmark movies now. I used to never cry at a Hallmark. I, I made fun of them. I laughed and Debbie would be crying. She'd say, oh, you're so insensitive, you know, but now I cry. I cry, so. But I'm grateful for my, the blood that I have. So, but here's the reason I told you that. Four years ago, today, I was released from the hospital. Four years ago, today. And here's what I remember. When the doctor walked in the room and said, today, you can go home. That today 
changed everything. When Jesus said in his home church that day, today, this scripture is fulfilled. That today changes everything. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the acceptable year of the Lord. Today is the day you can give your life to Christ. I was so impressed just praying right now, thinking that you are not watching today by accident. The Lord wanted you to hear this message. And the reason is because Jesus came to save people from their sins. Because Jesus announced it at his first sermon in his home church, today this scripture is fulfilled. And today, now, is the time to accept Christ. I really want you to open your heart right now and accept the Lord. Right now, right where you are, you're watching today because the Lord loves you. He wants to change your life. It's no accident. I just feel so impressed to tell you that. It's no accident. So right now, just tell the Lord in your heart, Lord, I believe and I accept you. I feel like some of you need to say something like this to the Lord. I'm not going to try to walk with one foot in the church and one foot in the world anymore. I'm going to give you control of my life. Receive Jesus as your Lord, not just your Savior, because Jesus came to save us. So please, give your life to the Lord today. And if we can help you any way, let us know. Contact us. We want to help you. Hey, I want to tell you, thank you so much for watching. And I want you to watch again next time because I'm going to continue this series, The Ministries of Jesus. Jesus' time on earth was characterized by ministering to people. His examples of ministry point to the love, forgiveness, healing, and peace that come directly from the Father's heart. In Pastor Robert's powerful new series, The Ministries of Jesus, you'll discover amazing truths you may never have known about salvation, inner healing, deliverance, healing, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. For your best gift today, we'll send you this series on CD or as an audio digital download and include the Where to Find Favorite Bible Verses Reference Guide with hundreds of Bible verses organized by topic. For your gift of $85 or more, we'll include the He Loves You So devotional with an inspirational word, prayer, and declaration for each day. And for your gift of $125 or more, we'll send you the Faith, Hope, and Love Blanket, along with a filament Bible. This large print Bible includes access to a revolutionary app that easily works with your smartphone or tablet and connects every page of the Bible to a vast array of study content. While you can use this Bible without the app, you wouldn't want to miss out on the free access to over 25,000 study notes, more than 350 videos, 1,500 devotionals, and interactive maps, infographics, and a library of worship music. Don't wait another day to get these very special resources and discover God's Word like never before. Visit us today at PastorRobert.com to get a copy for you and someone you love. Thank you for your generous prayer and financial support of Pastor Robert Morris Ministries.
You feel it. Inside you beats a heart for ministry, a sense that you're called to serve God in a greater way. But perhaps you feel stuck, not knowing how to get from where you are to that envisioned place. Let the King's University Online be the bridge to your calling. Under the stewardship of Gateway Church, TKU is equipping Christ-like servant leaders through the power of the Holy Spirit. Imagine what could happen if you took the first step.